Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Melissa Ambers about process optimization, organizational development, and business development. Melissa Ambers, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I'm super excited to be talking about efficiencies and process optimizations within the workplace. We're going to talk about this from a people perspective and organizational development perspective. Where are you joining me from today, Melissa? I am in Houston, Texas. Wonderful. And I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. This will just be a fun conversation. As we get started, I wanted to share Melissa's bio with everybody. Melissa Ambers is the President and Chief Administrative Officer of Strategic Blueprint Consulting, LLC, and Savvy Media Group, Inc. Melissa has extensive experience in business operations, process improvement and modernization, and leadership management. She has four stages to strengthen departments for sustainable processes, including clarifying the vision, analyzing the problem and risks, building a sustainable strategy, and evaluating and executing. These steps are crucial to the success of business operations and customer service. She received an honorary doctorate for entrepreneurship in October of 2020. She also has her certifications in project management, Six Sigma, Black Belt, public relations, and event planning. And she also attended Harvard Business Online to receive her e-diploma certificate of completion for disruptive strategy and sustainable business strategy. What a tremendous background. It's a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? That pretty much covers it. Thank you so much. Well, good. So I outlined a little bit there in your bio, your four stages to strengthen department sustainable processes. And as we talk about organizational and process optimization, why don't we start there and tell us a little bit more about your general framing around efficiency and and optimization, and then we can dig into each of those four elements a little bit more specifically. Sure, absolutely. I always like to start out with just keep it simple. Um, most time, you know, when people hear about processes, they get frantic and like, oh my God, it's a lot of work. We're going to have to do all of these different things. And of course that could be dependent on the situation, but we always like to just keep it simple. Um, processes, it's not about, you know, being complex and just getting the 
uh, most expensive system or the system that's more popular that everyone else is using, you really have to, you know, I tell my clients, we really have to look at what your business is. What do you want to, uh, you know, what are you doing for your customers? What is your internal processes? We have to really dig deep and decide on what that is before we say, okay, this would be the, you know, right system for you. And, you know, it's just real. Sometimes they're using the right system, but just not using all the functions that the system has to offer. So, you know, anytime I get with any of my clients, it's all about, you know, let's do an assessment. Let's really do a deep dive and not just look at the surface because the surface usually always looks really pretty. But we want to get under that surface and really dig deep down and just really look at what's going on. You know, talk to the people because the people are the ones that's talking to the customers. They're having that everyday interaction um, and see the problems, whether it's with the system, the process, or just, you know, things that the customers just simply are not liking and, you know, find out why that is. So I just like to really, you know, say, keep it simple and do a really deep dive to understand uh, what's going on and why. Yeah, I think that's really important. Talking to the people on the front lines is going to always be the first place you should start. Mm-hmm. They just see things and they 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 have a perspective on things uh, that is much closer to the action, right? It's much closer to the customer. It's much closer to the, the customer experience. And whether you're talking about B2C or B2B types of uh, interactions, uh, the same thing applies. And, and so often when we're talking about efficiencies and, and, and just trying to improve processes and optimization, you have, you know, the C-suite or you have leaders sitting in a room talking and, and strategizing and they're having good thoughts, but it's just so disconnected from the actual real day-to-day um, work right. life and, and the processes that are actually happening that they just don't even know what the gaps are. They don't, they, they couldn't possibly know. And a lot of times organizations will end up dumping money behind a problem uh, that may very well be a very legitimate problem, but instead of just talking to the people coming up with what could be a, a pretty simple, straightforward and, and inexpensive solution, they end up going through this huge organizational development and change process to do some huge system implementation right. uh, or integration and all these new things that don't actually solve the problem. So just start by listening. I, I like to call them the living experts. Li- talk to and listen to the living experts. They may not have the same degrees as you. They may not have the same mm-hmm. years of experience as you. They may not have like a, a understanding of all the things, strategy and all those sorts of things. They, they know what it's like to do the work and they know what it's like to interact with the customer. Right. You're absolutely right. Uh, I like to call them partners. Um, and I do that because when you work with your partner, you consider them as your equal and you, you don't have a problem with talking to them. You're not going in guarded up that, you know, I'm your superior or the employees going to their leader, like, you know, uh, I don't know if I should say this, you know, I don't want them to snap at me or, you know, all these different things. So it's that really that communication between the two that has to be retrained on how to communicate with each other. And that's on both ends. Um, because, you know, most of the time, you know, we have these uh, managers, leaders, supervisors that's in these leadership roles. And it's all about, you know, dictating and delegating and not really talking and listening. 
So I like to say, you know, talk to your partner because if you don't have those frontline uh, living experts to work with the customer and do all these things that need to be done, then if that partner is not there, you have another hole. Now, you know, you're running into the, the direction of not having enough people and trying to go, you know, through all these agencies and things and you have this huge, you know, overhead cost because other people have to jump in and fill in because you're, you know, missing this gap. So I like to call them your partners to, you know, talk to them, have that open communication, you know, and, and really listen to what they're saying. And on the other end, you know, when your leaders or our supervisors coming to you to talk and listen, you don't go in guarded with, you know, already, you know, suited up for battle that, okay, well, they're going to come back at me with something. So I'm going to go ahead and get ready for battle because I need to prove my point. So on both ends, you know, they need to be retrained on how to communicate and understand that, okay, we're here to work together. Let This is a partnership. If we don't do this, then the job is not going to get done. And that can, you know, a chain reaction of so many other things, you know, to happen with that. But uh, open up that that communication. And when, you know, managers say, oh, we have an open door policy here. A lot of times that open door policy is not really open. You know, it's not about just that my door is open and you can walk in. It's It goes a little deeper than that of really having an open door policy and being able to say, okay, I'm here to listen. Tell me what the problem is. Let's see how we could come with a solution or where can we meet in the middle? Um, but, you know, it's really doing what makes sense and not to say do it because I like it or do it because they want it. It's doing it what makes sense for that organization. So talking to those partners or living experts to really understand what is going on because they are on the front line and you are missing a lot of those things happening. So before you go and do this huge, you know, uh, renovation of processes and systems and all of these things, have that conversation first before you invest money and do this big overhaul. Amen. And while that sounds obvious, I mean, as we're saying that, I'm like, <laughs> duh, of course everyone would do that. But guess what? It Very doesn't. few people actually do that. <laughs> and I'm yeah. not I'm not quite sure why. I think, you know, there's a level of, you know, I, I think people come from a place of sincerity. Most people want to do right by others and most people are doing the best yeah. they know how. Um, but I, I think there, there can be a level of arrogance involved. There can be a letter level of, I just know better than them, you yes. know, maybe a little bit of snobbery. I, you know, I went to a really good school. I got my MBA. I know what needs to happen. They don't know what needs to happen. You know, right. so there can be some of that. I think sometimes it's just the natural breakdown in communication that happens in organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and so you just don't do proactively go out and, and, have those conversations and try to gather that information, that data that is necessary. So even right. when people have the best of intentions to want to listen and to want to go and, and get the input of others, it's been my experience that most fail pretty miserably at doing that effectively. And so then they end up doing what you just described. And, and mm -hmm. it, it, it's baffling because it's so time consuming and expensive and people get mm -hmm. upset and there's, you know, just, there's just all these negative consequences yet organizations and leaders do it again and again and again. So, I mean, that's the, the kind of foundational piece. Like, let's just listen first. That'll help us 
better understand the real pressing issues, not the symptoms, but the real root causes to better understand what actually needs to happen. And, and by listening to our frontline people, we're going to have a better sense of what can and should happen. And then we can move forward from there. Then we can start to put in place new processes, new uh, optimization and, and such to improve the work life of everybody. And, and, and if we do that, I think most people will get on board. Uh, but it's when that doesn't happen that people are resistant to change and, and a lot of those other challenges occur. Mm-hmm. And I, I think th- this gets us into uh, that four stage process that you were describing, clarify the vision, analyze the problems and risks, build a sustainable strategy and evaluate and execute. As I'm thinking about that first piece, clarify the vision. You can't really even start. You can't clarify that vision until you actually really go and talk to people first, right? And build that trust and and really be on some sort of shared wavelength and have a shared understanding. So let's talk a little bit more about that. How do you go about starting that process of clarifying that vision? To start the process, um, it actually starts with the decision makers because they're the one that's going to make the final decision on what can and cannot happen. And when I say start with the decision makers, it's letting them know Yes, you have this vision. Yes, you want to do these things. Yes, you want to implement this system or processes. But have you done, you know, this, like go down and talk to the frontline people. You know, you're, you know, when you look at that chart, you know, you're here, you need to start down here and work your way up to really understand what's going on and why is it happening. And once, you know, I have that conversation with the decision makers, then they start to understand that, okay, I get it. And then not only that, to piggyback a little bit on what you were saying earlier, it can also save you money. You know, so many organizations don't realize how much money it can save them. You know, they always have in their mind, okay, the profit, you know, what profits are we making? Why are we not making profit? Part of that profit comes from the money that the necessary money that's being spent on your daily operations. So, you know, making them understand that. And then once that's done, it's just creating that system. Okay, let's start with, you know, department A and work from department A to B. And, you know, sometimes it may be a little jump to really see, you know, what's overlapping, um, what are they doing? And if A and B should be following the exact same process, and once I have that conversation and we can understand why they're not following the process, it could be something as simple as, Yes, we should follow the same process, but because we do this, we have to do this, and that makes us double work. Now, you know, you get into to that. So it's really starting with these departments at the lower levels and really understanding. But first, I would start with that decision maker to make sure that they understand that how we have to flow through there, because the idea that they have of just implementing something and training people is it's not going to work. You're going to waste money. You're going to waste time because it's not being done the proper way. And, you know, it's also with so many want to do uh, the leadership training. You know, it's right now it's about, okay, let's check the box. Yes, we've done it. But you have to have some type of assessment with each one of your leaders because you have different needs. You put them all in one room, have a general conversation. All right, check. We've done leadership training, but have you really solved the issue? Do you know what your leaders are needing? Do you know uh, what leaders don't know how to work with their staff? Do you know what leaders 
are not understanding the current processes, what systems they're not trained on, uh, communication. I mean, we can go on and on and on, you know, with that, but do an assessment with your leaders to really understand what they know, what they don't know. And then let's break out some different training so we could be sure that we're, you know, hitting on those points of what the leaders really need. And I just throw all of them in one room. We have a general leadership training, check the box, it's done. And you spent this money, but you still haven't solved the problem. So it's really, you know, looking deep and understanding and making sure you have the correct training for leaders, employees, even the C-suite executives, making sure you have the correct training for them and not just a general training to check off a box. Yeah. And again, that sounds obvious. (laughs) It rarely happens. And it is interesting because with, with people moving to more virtual work over mm-hmm. the last couple of years, you know, if, if I look at the, the learning and development or training and development industry over the last couple of decades, it's been predominantly face-to-face instruction mm-hmm. uh, with some e-learning modules and, and some do that better than others, but it's mm-hmm. been largely face-to-face. And if it's not face-to-face, then there's maybe recorded videos or you're clicking through slides or doing some mm-hmm. sort of um, e-learning kind of an approach. Well, what's happened in recent years and, and in part spurred on by the, the pandemic and the move towards more virtual and hybrid work is that there's there's new learning and development, training and development online platforms that allow for special like personalization and specialization mm-hmm. of topics in real time, AI driven that are specific to the needs, the competencies and capabilities of the person that's participating so that they don't waste their time on stuff that they've already mastered so that they don't uh, have to regurgitate, rehash things over and over and over again that they've already learned, uh, that they can move on to things that are only relevant to them and their jobs, and they don't have to s- spend half a day listening to stuff that doesn't even apply to them and isn't relevant to them and their ability to do their work. Um, now, that can happen in a face-to-face environment too. It's mm-hmm. just harder when you have a you know face-to-face, you have a classroom of 30 participants and you're trying to tailor the the content and the message to every individual that's really hard um, but there there are more and more um ed tech and you know l and d kind of uh, software optimization solutions that are out there that can personalize and in real time make it a very targeted experience for people to really meet what you just described. So, you know, I definitely, that's not the main topic of our conversation today, but I would definitely encourage listeners to, to pay attention to that and to look out and talk to some, some of those firms for your training and development, learning and development needs within your organization. Mm -hmm. So we, we start with the decision makers. We start with, you know, thinking through the reskilling, the upskilling, the, the, the learning and development needs of the organization. Then we get into the problem solving, um, the, the analyzing the problems and the risks involved. And anytime we're talking about optimization, we have to truly understand what is at the root cause of whatever gap we're experiencing. What, what is the breakdown? Where is the bottleneck? What, you know, those are the things we're trying to establish. What do you suggest to leaders who, are, who want to get to the root problem, but it, it's just so common for people to end up putting band-aids on symptoms and then they just end up playing whack-a-mole with yeah. problems. And, you know, they, they temporarily solve one problem only to create another problem and they're not actually solving the root issue. I will suggest that, you know, they take that step back 
you know, like you were just saying, take the step back, pause for a moment and not be so quick to jump into this solution. Um, take the time to have those conversations. I would say, you know, have powwow sessions, you know, go into a conference room or uh, have a day, you know, have a working lunch and with all your departments, but of course it may have to be on different days, but have these powwow sessions, go all in to a conference room, you know, treat them to lunch um, and just let everybody be open, good or bad. But they also have to give, there's employees the confidence that this is an open forum say what you will good or bad because if you don't let us know we won't know but they have to have that confidence that that what they're saying are true because so many say okay say what you want to say but before you know it you know for various reasons they're going to be retaliated against whether it could be termination or they just start being treated differently on the job and Employees have a hard enough time getting up, coming to work with personal family life and, you know, coming to these jobs. So adding that on top of everything else just is not good. So I think really, you know, making it to where they feel comfortable, changing the culture, changing the environment. So they feel comfortable when they come to work, that they feel comfortable talking to you. You know, in the mornings, go out and chit chat with them, not just walk by, hey, good morning and keep walking, really show some interest, start gaining their trust. And what so many uh, managers don't realize is that your employees don't trust you. They really don't. They just know, okay, I need to come in, do my job. When it's time to leave, let me get my stuff and go home. They don't trust you. So you have to start um, building that trust with them first. And once you start building that trust, go have these powwow sessions and let them be open and good or bad. Even if they may say, okay, well, something that you're doing, you know, you're doing this because of this and it's not right. Be open to that. Don't be open only to them pointing fingers at someone else. It can actually be you as the leader that have issues that didn't realize that, you know, okay, I was doing this. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. And that happens. We're all human that we may be doing things and we just don't realize it, but be open to that without um, retaliating or acting uh, a certain way with this person because they brought it, you know, to light. So I think once that happened, it will not only change the culture, but your employees or your partners will be more uh, open to come in and really go above and beyond when, when they need to and when you're asking them to. So building that trust with them first, have those powwow sessions and really document what is going on, why is it going on? And then it will, you know, make sense then for you to start, okay, now let's build a plan. Let's build this blueprint on how we should do these things. And as you're going through these processes, this is what's going to also revamp those SOPs for the ones that actually have them on staff. So it's going to have to revamp that. So changing that culture and building trust with your employees is like a huge thing that has to happen in a lot of these organizations. It's absolutely true. And trust is the foundation of everything. So if we don't have that, uh, we really don't have much of a chance of of any of these process optimizations and OD and change initiatives really taking right. hold. Uh, and that actually gets into the ne that next point. Um, sustainable strategy, sustainable change. 
Uh, we don't have time to get into any depth on that or in the in terms of the evaluate and execute stages that you outlined. Um, but I, I do just want to reiterate that it's just so essential that we focus on sustainability, that we are strategic in our approach and that we have a sustainability plan, that we have an evaluation and assessment plan so that we know that what we're doing is making the type of impact that we intended or right. not. And, you know, maybe unintended consequences that we need to address. And it needs to be an iterative cycle so we can constantly be seeing how to tweak and to adjust and to improve right. what we're doing. So if we can do that, I think uh, people, the, the resistance of people to change will diminish greatly because they'll be able to see the benefits. They'll be able to see really right. uh, the, the, the measurable outcomes of what we're trying to do with past mm -hmm. changes and past optimization and process uh, shifts. Uh, and all of that will just lead to them being more likely to buy in and adopt the new shifts in the future. And, right. and we're in, a, in an age of rapid technological uh, advancement. We have a lot of social change and upheaval and all these things like change is the constant. And so we just need to prepare people to be change ready, to be agile. Uh, all of this will help us to, to run better organizations. Absolutely. Well, Melissa, it has just been a real pleasure. I know at the time I have to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Absolutely. Um, you can uh, reach me, just simply go to LinkedIn. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is Sustainable uh, Blueprint Consulting, but uh, LinkedIn is the first and the, the place where you can really reach me, uh, send me a message, connect with me. And my LinkedIn is just, you know, linkedin.com, uh, Melissa Amber. So it's real simple to get go there. And, you know, as we were talking, you know, just be sure you're always looking at the long-term solution and not the solution of today. You want to look at the long-term solution um, as you're going through your changes and processes. Amen. Well said, Melissa. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Melissa can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.